as we continue in our series in First uh, Peter. We're just calling this series Hope. Who doesn't need hope, right? Especially these days where we're just encountering things, whether it's in our own life or in the world. And it just seems like there's always something dramatic in the news. And uh, it's be easy to feel like, it would be easy to feel hopeless. And we want to be people who have hope. And so that's what we're going to be talking about for the next several weeks. First uh, Peter chapter 1, continuing from where we left off last week, starting at verse 14. And I know you were standing for a while. I'm going to invite you to stand again. This is our habit for the reading of God's Word. First Peter chapter 1, picking it up at verse 14. He says this, So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then. But now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say you must be holy because I am holy. That's God speaking. And remember that the heavenly father to whom you pray has no favorites. He will judge or reward you according to what you do. So you must live in reverent fear of him during your time as foreigners in the land. Verse 18 for you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you uh, inherited from your ancestors. And the ransom he paid was not mere gold or silver. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. God chose him as your ransom long before the world began, but he has now revealed him to you in these last days. Verse 21 says, though through Christ you have come to trust in God, through Christ you have come to trust in God and you have placed your faith and hope in God because he raised Christ from the dead and gave him great glory. You were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth. So now you must show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters. Love each other deeply with all your heart. Thank the Lord for his word. Let's be seated together. When you think about the kind of plot lines of the of the big movies, you know, the the big movies of our culture. You think Star Wars or Lord of the Rings, right? Or even like the the summer blockbusters, the superhero movies, and things like I don't know, Spider Man, Superman, Wonder Woman, all these movies. The main character, think about this: the main character is often someone who's who's been chosen for that special task, right? They've they've usually actually been rescued from maybe a perilous situation or a mundane life. And they've been selected for this great task. You think about the life of Bilbo Baggins in The Hobbit, if you're a, if you're a Tolkien fan. Uh, his life is interrupted one night uh, when Gandalf and a company of 13 dwarves invade his comfortable little home to invite him on an unexpected journey. And he's not too pleased with this complication in his life. And initially he, he, he rejects the opportunity. But the next morning he wakes up to discover... The dwarves have left without him, and he has a bit of an epiphany. Let's watch this on video and see what happens to Bilbo Baggins. For any Tolkien fan, that's one of their favorite lines. I'm going on an adventure! Right? We love that line. The truth is, we've all been invited on a grand and great adventure. About 15 years ago, a couple of vineyard guys from my hometown, Brian Dirksen and and Kevin Bowes, they wrote a song called The Adventure of Jesus. I love that song. We used to sing in our, our church back there. It was the, the chorus is, I want to live the adventure. I want to burn with the passion. I want to be filled with the presence of Jesus. I want to pray with the power. I want to serve with the kindness. I want to live the adventure of Jesus. 
I, do you re, do you realize? Do we do we recognize that that when we trust in Jesus Christ for forgiveness and salvation, we're we're not accepting His grace so that we can just go on living in a box in a safe, comfortable life. Peter is telling us in this passage that we read that that, that we have a response to God's grace, and that is to live an obedient. Life and a holy life. Holy means a life set apart for God's purposes. Verse 14, Peter, Peter says this. He says, um, you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. Or the New International Version has it this way. Don't conform to the evil desires that you had. The Christian has a new life and needs to live that new life. It says there in verse 15, but now, so that's the response phrase, right? But now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. I'd ask it this way. If you're taking notes this morning, there's an insert in your program. You can follow along. And the first one is this. What kind of life have you been chosen to live? Right? We've, we've established already in the last few weeks that you were chosen by God. So what kind of life have you been chosen to live? According to the Apostle Peter, it's, a, it's an obedient, set-apart life, not living for ourselves, but living for the glory of God and for the benefit of others. Living for the glory of God and for the benefit of others. Now, the word obedience can sound a bit vague. I don't know about you, but people say, you really need to obey God. I'm like, can we be more specific? Can you help me with that? All right? What, what are we to obey? Well, when you think about, about the things that Jesus said, even like the one-word commands of Jesus, they're huge. They're huge. Love, that's a command of Jesus. Love one another. Okay, can work on that. Love your neighbor. Okay, that's a little tougher for some of you, right? Love your enemy. Well, that takes it up a notch, right? Pray for those who mistreat you. <laughs> I don't know, Jesus. Right? Forgive those who wrong you. Give without keeping score. Go into all the world with the gospel. Just the one word commands are big. So again, what kind of life have you been chosen to live? Is it obedient or defiant? Is it supportive or rebellious? Is it generous or is it grudging? Is it peaceful or is it fearful? Is it serving or is it selfish? Is it loving or is it judging? What kind of life have you been called to live? Maybe you've heard the saying. This is, a, a, I think, a well-known saying. But all people die, but not all people truly live. What kind of life have you been chosen to live? It's a challenge. This, this whole passage this, and this morning, it's an, an invitation, really, to live beyond the status quo. To live other than what everybody around you thinks is normal and happy with. Don't, don't be satisfied with that. It, 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 that comfort bubble feels good because, let's face it, we all love comfort, right? You love it. It feels good. We all want it. But we've invited to go beyond our comfort. What if we live the adventure of Jesus? What if we were to take a risk, leave your comfort zone, accept that maybe there are other ways of doing things than, than the ways we've always done them? 
Let me give you a couple examples. Some, some, in the, some of us in this room, you know, you need to lead or join a connection group this fall. Even though you've always only done a Sunday class, or you, which, is, which is good. It's one way of being discipled, but, but maybe it's time to try something where you sit in a circle instead of rows. And where, you, where you're going to connect meaningfully with God's people and with God. In a, in, a, in a safe environment. We'll have a variety of connection groups. Pastor Stephen will get you all set up with that, whether it's grief group or um, different kinds of, kind of theme groups or groups where you can track along in Scripture with what we're doing here. It is a great way to grow in your walk with Christ and to develop supportive friendships, places where you connect. People actually get to know you, what's really going on instead of just the Sunday mask. Why not give that a try? Or, or some of you, here's a good one. Some of you need to come to the Philippines with me next spring. We're working on a, on a trip next, probably next March. And in spite of the cost and discomfort, um, you need to come with me and get some, some practice sharing your faith and leading people to Christ. Many of you know our, our dear friend Ron Coop, and you saw just a few months ago how impacted he was by that, that Philippines adventure. Some of you need to say, I'm, I'm going to go. I'm going to go. We'll figure it out. Don't, don't, find a, don't look for reasons to say no. Look for reasons to say yes. It is easy. It's so easy to, to maintain the status quo, to live with the same old, same old, to give our lives to the things that, that are okay but don't really matter all that much. It need not be hard to give your life to things that do matter. Do you know that? We always think, oh, it's, it's hard to give my life to things that matter. No, it doesn't need to be hard to do that. What kind of life have you been chosen to live. Peter, Peter moves on in the, in the passage then to, to remind us that really we're on a loving, level playing field before God. He has no favorites. Did you know that in, on, on baseball diamonds, baseball fields, there, there wasn't, the pitcher's mound wasn't always raised up? There was a time when it was a level playing field, right? We're on a level playing field before God. And having been a Christian all your life, if that's your story, is no advantage to you over the newly saved person because we're, we're rewarded not on how long we've been saved, but on what we did with that salvation. I think I've got time to try, try a, a way to illustrate this. I need a volunteer. Anybody? Okay, Stuart. Your hand's up. I did not set him up for this. For once, that is true. I like your t-shirt this morning. Limited edition. There's only one of you. It's good. Now, there will be a few others who wish they had volunteered for this. $20 bill. Okay. Now, imagine that I, that I give you this $20 bill. Okay. This represents, for today, it's worth a lot more than that, but this represents God's salvation. It's a free gift of God's salvation. That is your 20 You don't have to give it back. It's yours to keep. Right? Bonus, right? Now, what you do with it is up to you. So, you could, you could go, you could, you you could, you could go to the doghouse grill and get, go get french fries. You could save it. You could use it to buy some gas for your car. You could use it to, to invest in some way as part of it. You could use it to, 
to give to the church. What if you were just to take this and leave us here and go home today? Would that be a good, good thing to do with it? I wouldn't lose anything. You wouldn't lose anything. Well, it's true. Would you gain anything with it? How do you think I'd feel if you, if you did that? <laughs> no, it's not mine. It's, it's yours. I, I can't take it back because I gave it to you. I'd be disappointed. I'd be just so take that. Find something worthwhile to do with it. It's yours. Take your dad out for lunch or something. <laughs> salvation is a free gift of God. And, and the question is, what are you going to do with that salvation? How are you going to invest that? How are you going to make it count for something? Are you just going to leave it sitting on the shelf? Sitting in the pew? Like... Uh, this is not a guilt trip. This is an invitation to the things that God has called us, called us to. Remember, we're not saved by what we do. We're saved by what we believe. But it can't really be called belief if there's no follow-up action, if it doesn't change how we behave, right? can't say that I believe it and then do nothing with it. Then you don't really believe it. Verse, verses 17 and following go on to remind us this. If you're taking notes, make this your second point. You're saved by faith and you're rewarded by lifestyle. You're saved by faith and you're rewarded by lifestyle. Now, in our, in our culture, we are enamored by longevity. You notice that? The person who was at the same job for 50 years, now we are in awe of that. That really impresses us. Or the, the student with perfect attendance, right? They get a, an award. And if they have perfect attendance all 12 years, oh, now we're off the charts. They get written about in the Clovis Unified newspaper. I mean, it's really amazing. Or, or what if, what if your friend in the same church for a lifetime, you know, just, you, you know, or is, is in the same church for a lifetime, you're like, man, that's amazing. Does the same thing every week for a lifetime. Wow. But, but let's back it up. What about, what if that person in that 50 year career didn't really get much done? Now is that longevity so amazing? What if that student with perfect attendance got poor grades or, or was really an unpleasant student to other pupils or to teachers? Does that perfect attendance count for much now? Right. What if your friend in that same church for a lifetime never matured spiritually? Isn't that tragic? Is longevity really worth anything in those cases? It's about fruitfulness Versus faithfulness, fruitfulness and faithfulness. Now, of course, I want to be faithful. I want to be faithful in my 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 faith in Christ and in other places in in my life, my marriage, of course, and other things. I that's obviously a high value. I want to walk with Jesus my whole life. I want to be faithful to the end. Of course, but more than that, more than that, or in addition to that, greater than that, I want to be fruitful with my life. And make my life count for more than just showing up in the same seat for 20 or 50 or 80 years. Um, let, let me tell you a story about a guy named um, Keith Green. I don't know if you know about Keith Green. 35 years ago, the Christian community was, was shocked by the death of this young upcoming musician. Anybody remember Keith Green? Anybody ever heard his music or anything like that? Yeah. Incredible guy. Right? Keith Green was, was, uh, he was the youngest, I think, um, I was the youngest person to sign a contract with CBS Records. At 11 years old, he signed a five-year songwriting contract with, with CBS Records. Incredible guy. Right? Uh, super talented. He was going to be the next 
big thing. And uh, Keith got saved, became a Christian in it. And he went on to dramatically impact the Christian music industry and, and the Church of America in that time. He, he called his listeners to a radical commitment to Christ, or really what should be a normal commitment to Christ. That's kind of what he was known for, kind of a prophetic function. And he accomplished in his lifetime, I don't know, a hundred times what, what most of us would accomplish in ours. Here's the thing about Keith Green. He was 28 years old when he died. He was 28 years old. He didn't have much time on this earth, but he was very fruitful with it. Fruitfulness is, is greater than faithfulness. One of the things Keith Green was known for saying is that Jesus commands us to go and it should be the exception if we stay. And in this passage here, in First Peter chapter 1, Peter's reinforcing that you're saved by your faith, not by your works. Verse 21 says, through Christ you come to trust in God and you've placed your faith and hope in God because he raised Christ from the dead and gave him great glory. Verse 18, he says it this way. For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And the ransom he paid was not mere gold or silver. Yet, when Christ returns, okay, you're saved by your faith, but when Christ returns, you'll be judged on two things. Two things that you'll face at judgment. The judgment of salvation and the judgment of deeds. And if you... Okay, it'll be asked kind of, think about it in two questions. The salvation judgment question is Jesus asking, do I know you? Do I know you? In other words, have you trusted your life to Christ for salvation? Those, Jesus says, you know, those whom I know. Those ones will inherit eternal life. It's a free gift. It's the $20 bill with no strings attached. Right? While those who have rejected Christ will be condemned. This is why the, we have this urgency of bringing the gospel to people. Because those who have not heard, who, those who have not had the opportunity to, to grasp what it means to put faith in Christ are, are lost without him. So that's the first thing. Do I know you is the first one. The deeds question will be, what have you done? What have you done? So we will face judgment and be rewarded accordingly. The Apostle Paul put it this way when he wrote the Corinthians. He said, for we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body. So according to Jesus, the the deeds of reward include things like loving your enemies. We already referred to that or treating and treating them well, giving to the poor, praying, fasting, enduring persecution, even even something as simple as giving a cold cup of water to a thirsty person will be rewarded for the deeds. And most Christians are going to say, and I've encountered this many times, will say, look, I'm not in this for the rewards. I'm just happy to be saved. All I need is a little corner in heaven. That'll be good enough for me. Really? That's good enough? I mean, think about this. If you're an athlete to the Olympics and you're representing your country at the Olympic Games, are you going to say, like most Canadians do, I'm just happy to be here? Right? Or would you be like an American athlete? I'm here to win. I'm here for the gold medal. And if I can't get gold, I'll get silver or bronze or I'll get a personal best. When you go to that level, you're like, I'm pushing it. I'm giving it all. I want to do as much as I can. They want the reward of being there. If you were a salesperson on a car lot, 
Would you see your job as just to be there to have nice conversations all day, every day? I love standing in 105 degree weather just talking about these cars. That's all I'm here to do. No, you're there to close deals, to make sales. That's what you would be doing. And as a believer, is it any different? Oh, I don't really want the rewards. Yes, you do. Oh, maybe, maybe we don't trust Jesus to have very good rewards. Maybe, maybe we think it's not going to be that good. It's not a meaningless participation trophy when you get to heaven. That everybody gets a nice trophy. Here you go. You went to church a lot. Here you go. That's not, that's not how it works. Jesus talks about in his own parable, some get some reward, some get great reward based on how they invested the experience of salvation into their lives. Fruitfulness over faithfulness. Part of Peter's rationale for this lifestyle is you see it there in the second part of verse 17 when he says, so you must live in reverent fear of him during your time as foreigners in the land. Foreigners have to be on good behavior. Because they are judged more harshly than citizens. We've talked about this before too. They're judged, like a few weeks ago I showed you my green card that I live with. Well, what I didn't tell you is part of the burden of my status as a, as a, as a legal permanent resident is that I have to behave or I'll get kicked out of the country. I was a citizen and I misbehaved, I'd get put in prison. But if I misbehave, I'm kicked out and I can never come back. As a, as a Christian, in your neighborhood, or your family, or your workplace, all of which places you are a foreigner, you're a stranger, you're an exile, you're part of God's kingdom primarily, not this kingdom, right? On the softball team, wherever it is, it's on you to live, as Peter says, in reverent fear of God, in part because he will judge you for it, but also because, he goes on to say, because your life reflects the character of your heavenly Father. Be holy, for I am holy. Be set apart, God says, for I'm set apart. Means that how we act, how we speak, how we perform at work, how we treat others, that's how people are going to see your Heavenly Father. Give people good reasons to love you. And give them good reasons to give glory to God. Ever met that, that coworker that you just, they're just not good and then you find out they're just talking about church and Jesus and you think, come on, be a good witness here. This week I was told about a local engineering firm. It was a context of a conversation with somebody. And they said they refuse to do any work with churches ever. Because they've had enough bad experiences with Christians being dishonest and unreasonable and unkind and, 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 and sort of demanding in their dealings. They said, that's it. We're not working with Christians. That should not be, friends. That should not be. We want to live like it matters now and for eternity. Because as we learned a few weeks ago... You were chosen by God, made holy by the Holy Spirit, cleansed by Jesus. And if we're really cleansed, we can we can expect to be changed to and live in response to that. Verse 22 makes this conclusion for us. If you see that there, I think we have that on screen. Why don't we read this one together? Ready? Go. You were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth. So now you must show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters. Love each other deeply with all your heart. Okay? You were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth. How do you obey the truth? You obey by belief. By putting your faith in Jesus, the Savior. 
Because the truth is that Jesus is God. That He was crucified for your sins. That He was raised from the dead for your eternal life. That He is the only way to salvation. That's the truth. And when you believe it, you're obeying the truth. And then the truth leads you to love. One more point in your outline if you're taking notes this morning. Real truth results in real love. Real truth results in real love. You cannot be saved and yet be unkind, unloving, ungenerous, ungrateful, unforgiving, or any other number of uns, right? If so, you have yet to really grasp the truth. It's because of your salvation that you must now love one another. To love from the heart. It just means you've allowed the Holy Spirit to work an internal change and not just a nice, you know, superficial makeover. I would add this. Don't expect perfection from other people when you know you yourself are not perfect. You yourself are a sinner. So don't expect others to be sinless. To love others sincerely means you're going to make allowance for their faults and their failings, whether it's a parent, a spouse, a child, a co-worker, a neighbor, a friend. Friend, I just got to say the apostle, uh, the apostle Peter here wants us to grasp that it matters that you are here in this world. It matters that you're here. Matters that you're here in this church. Matters that you're here in your workplace, in your neighborhood. It matters that you're here in this world. And it's not always going to be easy or fun or pleasant. We're going to get to some of those parts in this book as well. But you were made on purpose for a purpose. To make Christ Jesus known to the people around you. And in so doing, bring glory to God. And you do that by how you live and by what you say. It's not only by how you live. And it's not only by what you say, it's both. It's both. What kind of life have you been called to live? That's the question for us all this morning. What kind of life have you been called to live? And are you living for the rewards God will give to those who are not simply faithful but fruitful? Are you living for those rewards? Don't be afraid to say, I'm living for rewards. Jesus said you can store up treasure in heaven Instead of on earth where it's going to get stolen or worn out or broken down or fail you in some way, you can restore it in heaven. Just think about that for a moment. You can convert what you have here into an eternal currency. There will be people who, in, who are in heaven and they will, have, they will have treasure. There will be some people, you're going to visit their mansion in heaven. And you're like, whoa, the, dude, this is nice. And the person can be like, I know, right? I had no idea. You, you, you don't, be, don't be embarrassed to talk about that. I don't know if you saw that clip from, uh, is it Derek Carr that just signed a contract with the Raiders? Biggest, uh, big, lar- largest salary, NFL salary in history, or something, $125 million over five years. What did he say first thing? What are you going to do with all this money? Well, first, I'm going to tithe. I'm like, yeah, dude, that is awesome. So... I pray for his pastor to <laughs> manage all that difficulty. Ah, church, isn't it good? Isn't it good? We are called to a great adventure. Let's pray together. Father, we, we want to we follow you. We want to be faithful. God, we want to be fruitful. We want it to matter. God, would you set us free from the same old, same old? God, were we falling into patterns of got to do it this way forever and ever? God, would you break us out of that? Or would you let us just... Do stuff we haven't done before to, to leave behind stuff that we've always done, whether even the, even the good things, Lord. God, would you, would you equip us and remind us how to 
be excellent neighbors, excellent co-workers, excellent parents and grandparents and kids. Lord, all for your glory. Lord, we want it to live like it matters now and forever. It is such a privilege to follow you. Lord, it's, it's incredible that you would have gone to all those lengths to, to grant us the inheritance of salvation for all who believe. We love you for that, God. We love you for that. But God, now we want to take that salvation and invest it in a meaningful way. We don't want to just leave it sitting on the table. God, we want to live like it matters. Churches, heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I just got to give you this opportunity. If you, if you are not a follower of Jesus today, if you have never begun a relationship with God by, by putting your faith in Jesus Christ to forgive your sin and give you new life, or if you're not sure that, what that means and you want to know more, can I invite you right now to indicate to me that, yes, I want to give my life to Jesus today. As all the heads are bowed and eyes are closed, if you would just raise your hand and say, yeah, would you pray with me, Brian? Would you explain that to me afterwards? And I'd love to help you with that. Anybody like that today? And for the rest of us, we've got a challenge. We've got a call to go live like it matters this week. God, we thank you for your great love for us and uh, your, just your presence and your call in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.